Amen, amen. Hey, well, listen, if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. Uh, today I want to finish up the series that we've been on, the series uh, basically that we titled Exchange. And so today's part three. Uh, what I want to do maybe for a few minutes here at the beginning, just because I know everyone hasn't been here for the whole thing, I want to maybe recap uh, just for the purpose of kind of gathering everybody up so we can be on the same page. And then... Uh, you know, that'll probably take me about 10, 15 minutes, something like that. And, and then we'll dive into Genesis 32. And I want to share with you what I believe the Lord wants to tell us today. In fact, let me maybe go ahead and start off by saying this to you. Be really open today to let God do what he's never done with you before. Is that okay? Be, and so, you know, even now as we kind of set off, set off into this, uh, man, but believe for an encounter with God, believe for the anointing of God, believe for the presence of God, and believe for basically just life change in your own life today. Because uh, the truth is, is the word is never meant to be just a source of information. It's a source of transformation. And so when we approach God and we approach him in the word, uh, you know, he's looking for transforming our hearts and transforming our minds. Amen. Amen. So Genesis 32 Put a finger in it. We'll be there in a bit. All right. So let's pray and we'll get going. Father, thank you for today. God, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, they're not here by accident, but God, you brought them here because, Lord, you have a divine appointment. God, because you desire uh, to speak to their heart, you desire to say something to them. And so, Lord, today, God, just as your children, God, we open our up, up, open up our eyes, God, to see you. God, we open up our ears to hear you. God, we open up our hearts today to receive from you. And so, Lord, today, just as a body, as a body of believers, Lord, we just ask that the Holy Spirit would come and just increase your presence in this place. Thank you for increasing your anointing. Thank you for coming and just teaching us today, teaching us more of your heart. Thank you for depositing more of who you are and more of your heart in us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, over the past few weeks, we spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about how when God begins to initiate change in our lives, we can either view it as a positive or we can view it as a negative. And uh, when we view God-initiated change as a negative thing, we will automatically uh, resist him and we'll dig our heels in. And, and to be honest with you, that is a, uh, a form of stubbornness. Or we can, if we view change as negative, we can also get really scared about it and we can let the fear of change come and literally paralyze us. Now, now listen, I want you to know that the outcome of this negative mindset will be this. It's this, that our forward progress and our effectiveness in the kingdom will be very limited. Are you getting that today? Listen, on the other hand, if we view God-initiated change as a positive thing, we'll let down our walls, we'll open up our hearts, and we'll embrace really what God's trying to do in our lives. So uh, maybe if I can kind of give you this, and, and this is really, um, how many of you guys, I maybe said this in a former question, how many of you guys know that it takes trust to embrace change? And so, and so really when we're talking about uh, this today, we're talking about, um, you know, how can we how can we sit back and how can we embrace change? How can we really let our walls down? How can we open up our hearts? How can we embrace it? It's really because of two reasons. The first reason is because of this. It's because we're confident that God is good. Great place to say amen. That we're confident that God is good. And because he is good, we know that his heart and his intentions toward us are good. We also know that the Bible says that his plans for our lives are good plans. Amen. So, so it's really this, when we're talking about embracing change, we need to understand that our trust needs to be rooted in his goodness. 
that our trust needs to be rooted in his goodness. The second reason we can embrace change is because it's a simple exchange. We spent quite a bit of time talking about this the past two weeks, but it's a simple exchange. So remember this, that when God begins knocking on our heart's door with change, he is simply trying to get us to exchange something that we are currently holding on to for why? For something that he desires to release to us. And if you can kind of get this in your head, um, in fact, the, two weeks ago when we, when we kind of went down the thing of, God, I give you this, and God, thank you for giving me that, this. If you notice what we were holding on to, uh, the things that we were grabbing hold on, things we've been holding for a while, those things have zero, everybody hear that, zero eternal value. But here's God on the other hand, because he's a good God. He's trying to release to us things that have 100% eternal value. So it's from that understanding that when I'm sitting there and God begins to knock on my heart door saying, look, I want you to give that to me. Understand that he is always, always, always wanting to give you something better than what you're currently holding on to. Amen. Amen. So the outcome of this positive mindset that allows us to position ourselves for the change that God's trying to bring. And it's really this. He's trying to bring spiritual growth. He's trying to bring spiritual maturity. He's trying to bring uh, us to a point where we will be more effective in the kingdom. He's trying to bring promotion in our lives. He's trying to maybe even bring a new assignment for us uh, to basically grab a hold of. And if I can maybe say this to you today, um, I don't, you know, I don't know who this is for, but I just really feel like I need to say this to you today, that there's some people in here today that you're holding on to an old assignment and uh, until you release that old assignment, God will never be able to release his, a new assignment to you. Right. And so you've got to have an understanding of this. If I'm holding on to the old assignment, that also means that I'm hindering someone else from stepping into their new assignment because it's a role that they need to step into. So I'm kind of holding things up. Amen. All right. So for clarity's sake, let's take a second. Let's talk about what's really happening in this exchange process or this what we talked about last week, the process of sanctification, or as the Bible also puts it, uh, of walking out of the old man and into the new man. Hey, tight women, we're going to have fun today. OK, so let, let me maybe do this. Kyle, can you stand right there? Big man, come on. If you can stand behind him. Pops, if you can stand over there, I'm pick on you today. Just stand over there. Awesome. Good deal. Watch this. OK. Um, so I'm going to talk about basically go far, go far, go far, go far. Keep going. Keep just on speaker. That's great. All right. Watch this. So walking out of the old man and into the new man. All right. So um, so the old man. Watch this. This has nothing to do with age. OK, what the Bible is saying. OK, I mean that. Watch this. <laughs> that really wasn't a joke, but there we go. Right. So li- listen. So listen. But it's who we were b- before we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Right. Okay. so watch this. In the old man, this consists of our old sin nature. It's our old lifestyle, which consists of our old way of thinking, our old way of talking and our old way of just acting. Are you with me? So so it's oh, sure. So it's kind of like this, that when we talk about when we talk about this guy has the uh, sin nature, what that simply means is this, is that it is natural to sin. So so watch this. Okay, work with me here. Did, did, did anyone ever come and teach you how to lie? No. No, it's just automatic. Somewhere along the line, our butt got in a jam, right? We didn't want to get in trouble, or maybe we want to impress somebody, and we automatically, we begin to lie. It became, uh, it became natural. It was natural lie. Did anyone ever teach you how to lust? No. 
No, you just saw a hot chick one day and, and, and things happen, right? Woo, okay. And you begin to think thoughts that were ungodly thoughts, right? Did anyone ever teach how to be angry? No. Yeah, so, so, so somewhere along the line, guess what? That, that uh, he, something happened he didn't like, and his automatic response was get ticked off, get angry, and to lash out. Did anyone ever teach you how to be bitter? Absolutely not, right? Somewhere along the line, something was done wrong to you, and, and, you're, and you got sideways in a relationship with somebody, and in your heart, guess what? There was unforgiveness, and that unforgiveness grew because you didn't deal with it, and it, and it basically produced a root of bitterness. Did anyone ever teach you how to gossip? No, no one teaches us how to do that. Basically, at the end of the day, we, we got some beef with somebody, and we want to put their stuff on the street. So we call somebody and say, we got a prayer request, right? Anyway, so, so we, we begin to... So, so we, we begin to gossip. Watch this. Did anyone ever teach you how to covet? No. Well, here's the deal. Because somewhere along the line, somebody had something that he wanted, and he was jealous that he didn't have it, so he coveted it in his heart. Are you following me? And, and here's what's so wild. All of us have been there, and all of us understand that it was a very natural thing in life. It's no different than what I've told you before. Uh, you, you know, when, when basically you have a child, no one ever says, please learn the word no. Right? It's automatic, and that becomes their favorite word. Now, now watch this, okay? But, but once we are born again, right? Once we are born again, uh, basically what used to be natural is no longer natural. In other words, now that when we go to lie, now when we go to lust, now when we go to gossip, now when we go to do all those things, there's a check inside of us that goes, mm-mm, something's wrong there. Correct? And let me maybe be so bold to say this. If that doesn't happen, you probably didn't get born again. Okay? So, so watch it. So there's something there that goes, that there's a check in there. And the reason is, is because the Spirit of God, the nature of God, the life of God now comes to live on the inside of you at that moment. In other words, where you were once dead in your trespasses, now you're alive to God. Okay? And so what happens is, is God's way and what's natural in the kingdom now becomes natural to you. Amen? It doesn't mean that we don't have the ability to sin and we don't mess up because we all mess up. But let me maybe add this for you real quick. In this spot, it is not God's will that we keep sinning, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent over the same thing as some cycle. Somewhere along the line, there's got to be a uh, getting away from that guy and stepping into what God's called us to be. Am I making sense? Okay, so, so watch this. So when we are born again, when we talk about the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you, it's the reason it keeps scooting toward me, is basically this, is that, is, is that, is that this, is that, is that we now have the ability to think and talk and to act like Jesus. If you know that's true, say amen. amen. All right, so watch this as I scoot away from Mr. Poor here. All right, so uh, there's this bubble. All right, here we go. All right. Listen, the new man. Somebody say hello, new man. Listen, that's who God has called us to be. Amen. Listen, that's the fullness of those uh, positional truths that we talked about last week. In other words, when God when God speaks of us and he says, you're more than conquerors, you're an overcomer, you're an ambassador for Christ, you're holy and blameless in my sight. You're the righteous of God. You're the salt of the light in the world. Uh, all of this, he, all of that, he's talking about that guy. And, and so basically it's this. It's all the things that's Christ like they're contained in the new man. Are you, are you with me today? All right, so this is why what I keep telling you guys is, is what God has saved us to is greater than what he has saved us from. Okay, that that is greater than the old man. And so part of, part of for us, let me just say this for certain people in the room, if we're ever going to get there, we need to quit focusing on this guy. We've got to start focusing on that guy. Amen. 
So, so listen, it, it's, here, here's how you know if you focus on this guy. Because you always tell people where you came from instead of where you're going. You, you know, you think, well, that's my testimony. No, 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 no. You want to be that person. Right? And so you keep using excuses of where you've been instead of grabbing hold of what the Word says about who you are and where you should be going. Amen? Amen. So, listen, the Bible, the Bible tells us that every one of us should be on the journey of walking out or walking away from the old man and into the new man. That literally, the Bible uh, literally says it this way. It says that you, somebody say you. you. So, so me, let me maybe say this. Go read Ephesians. Go read Colossians. Read that fat homework assignment. There you go. Whatever. Like we're in school, right? So re- read those two books this week and you'll get a greater grasp of the things I don't have time to tell you. Okay. But, but it's basically this. The Bible, when, when the Apostle Paul's writing it, he actually says that you put off the old man. So so many of us sit back and we uh, use excuses and whine and complain and have a pity party. And we're acting like God's going to do something there when he said you put it off. So so the the picture, actually, what that means in the language, it actually is 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 of of a garment, of a jacket that you literally take off the old man and you put on the garment of the new man. So there's responsibility on your part. Amen. Now, obviously, God will help you in that, but you got to do your part so he can do his part. So anyway, so once again, the Bible talks about putting off the old man and putting him on the new man. In fact, the, the Bible says it this way, that God's invited us to walk in the newness of life. Amen. Amen. All right. So there's just a few things that I want to notice about this process before we get to where we're really going today. Um, and I'm going to say this because because a lot of our a lot of people in this room because the 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 church history that you have. OK, so I, I realize that sometimes when you start talking about things that we're going to talk about in a minute, um, if you're from a very religious and a very legalistic background, you're going to go automatically in the ditch and think negative automatically. OK, and uh, and that's not God's heart. Right. Amen. And so and so I, I want to say some things to, to kind of help you today, because because what happens with a lot of people is, let's say, uh, let's say if they if they've really been around a lot of religion and when they get free from that, they want to run 100 percent in the opposite direction. And I want you to know that that the answer is not there in legalism and the answer is not way over here in the grace movement that's really moving across our nation. It's really in the middle. And so to, so for a second, I'm going to talk to you about life in the middle. OK, uh, because this this is really where God wants us to live. In other words, he doesn't want us to be in that ditch and he doesn't want us to be in that ditch. There's truths there and there's truths there. And if we can put those together, we're going to be OK. But if we go too far that way, we're not going to be OK. If we go too far that way, we're not going to be OK. In fact, let me maybe say this. If we go too far that way, we're just going to be angry and we don't need any more angry Christians. We've got enough of them. All right. And if we go too much that way, then basically what we're going to, and I'm not talking about the new man, I'm talking about grace, that, that, that what's going to happen is, is we're just going to feel like we can do whatever we want to, and God winks at everything. And that's not true. Amen? All right, so watch this. Can you guys scoot a little bit more that way? Yes. <laughs> you guys know how it is when somebody talks to you and they, and they get all up in your grill, and you back off and they keep coming? It's, it's like they're the Holy Ghost. They keep pursuing, right? It's, anyways, whatever. Anyways. All right. So here's a few things I want to notice about this process. Is this, don't miss this. This process isn't just about quote-unquote sin. But I mean the process of walking out of the old man into the new man. 
that's part of because God's trying to, to uh, develop Christ-like character in us. But at the same time, he is just as interested in healing us from our, uh, from our uh, past disappointments and our past hurts. It's almost, if you kind of get this in your, in your mind, it's like uh, the thing I kept hearing in this is like God wants to heal us from even uh, previous divorces. And, 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 and uh, bad relationships. And, and maybe it's even in this, that when you were a kid, maybe your parents got divorced and it broke you. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, you know, someone touched you in an inappropriate way. Maybe it's somebody uh, was physically abusive with you. Whatever it is, is it's that God is interested in this process uh, of dealing with those hurts and disappointments. And he wants to bring healing to, to you. And at the same time, he's also interested in, in helping you overcome insecurities and, and overcoming wrong mindsets. And the reason I say that is because of this, is because those things of basically our past, or it could be our current situation, our current mindset, our current thought process, those things can hinder us and our forward progress just as much as sin can. You understand that? Watch this. In other words, just if I am practicing sin, just as much as if I have a, a victim mentality and I operate from a root of rejection, that will hinder me just as much as moving into the new man. Are you all with me today? All right, so, so, Mike, can you just go over a little bit? A little bit, it's okay. All right, so, so watch this. Basically, I need you to get away from that old guy. So, uh, so, so basically what God's trying to do in, in this process is He is trying to remove anything that is contrary in your life to the new man. Yes? All right, so here you go. If you're taking notes, jot a few of these down, because this is really what I'm trying to tell you. Is in this process, we can either be sin conscious or we can be God conscious. The choice is ours. Listen, we can either focus on always, I gotta eliminate sin, I gotta eliminate sin, I gotta eliminate sin, or we can focus on growing in righteousness. So, maybe if I can put it this way, that holiness, true holiness, now we're talking, not talking about legalistic holiness, we're talking about what's in the middle, okay? True holiness isn't just the absence of sin, it's the presence of righteousness. Are you, are you understanding that? It's not just the absence of sin. It's the presence of righteousness. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of Him being in our lives. Amen? So really what, what it is, is if you can get hold of it, is less of that means more of that. Okay? And, and it's this. Once again, we can either view it as negative, we can view it as positive. But a negative mindset in all of this says this, is that I can't do that. I can't fill in the blank of whatever used to do as the old man. The positive thinking says this, is I get to be that, fill in the blank of what the positional truths are for the kingdom. That's the benefit of exchange that we're talking about. Once again, it's not that, oh, I'm having a pity party because I, I can't do these things, or I can do these things and slap grace on it. Right? It's simply this. I'm really turning away from that, taking off that guy. Why? Because the Bible says that guy is dead in Christ. Okay, so he really has no rule, no power over us, but now I have the ability to go in this direction towards him. Amen. All right. So last thing I want to talk about here in this process is this. Everybody, please hear this is regardless of our history. We all start at the same spot. In other words, when Michael, you know, representation gets born again, we all start at the same spot. In other words, we once again, our luggage may look different. Our baggage may be different from our past. But at the end of the day, we all start in the kingdom in the same place. And that's as newborn babies. Amen. But but how many of you guys and just wave your hand at me just for a little participation day. Wave your hand at me if you know that God doesn't uh, desire for us to stay as infants for the rest of our lives. Amen. 
Amen. Now, now, listen, with that said, please uh, hear this with a lot of grace. But we are the only ones that can de- that can decide the level or the degree of submission and obedience that we will give to this exchange process. Nobody can make it for you. Your pastor can't make it for you. Your husband can't make it for you. Your wife can't make it for you. Your parents can't make it for you. Your kids can't make it for you. Your friend can't make it for you. At the end of the day, the only one that can decide the level of the degree of the effort, right, that I'm going to put into this of submission and obedience is just me. Are y'all hearing me today? It's kind of like this. Uh, I, I saw a Nick Saban quote the other day, just so you know, the greatest coach in America. He, he said this. He said, he said that uh, talent is a gift. Effort isn't. That talent is a gift, but effort isn't. Okay? So there's that side that it requires effort from our part in the kingdom. Amen? Amen? Amen. Don't go sleep on me, all right? So, so li- listen. So ultimately... Ultimately, that submission, that obedience to the exchange process, that's going to determine how much of those positional truths really become a reality in our life. Amen. All right. So let me give you an example. In fact, go ahead and give these guys a hand. They sit down. Y'all did amazing. All right. All right. So let me kind of give you just an example and hopefully I can let uh, this will make sense. Okay. But I remember when when I showed up to the Bible school, in other words, I, you you know, I came, I didn't really grow up in this, right? I got saved out of the world, right? Somebody at school witnessed to me and I got saved and I started kind of going to church. I was in a church that really didn't talk about relationship. Okay. They just, they just went through the motions of church. Okay. So I didn't really know how to walk with God. And so, but somewhere along the line, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, I knew immediately I was called to preach the gospel. I didn't even know really what that meant, uh, but I knew I was called to do it. And so I, I felt uh, like I was supposed to go to this ministry school. So I show up at the ministry school, and uh, we are at uh, basically the, the retreat that happens at the beginning of the year. And they said, okay, guys, we're going to go over uh, basically a weekly schedule. And so they start off, and they said, every day is going to start off from 730 to 830, an hour, we're going to pray. And, of course, I didn't, I didn't show anything on my face, but inside I said, what the heck am I going to do for an hour? <laughs> right? I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so, you, you know, so anyways, the, the, the process started, and, and, you know, I said, okay, well, I'm, I don't really know what to do, so let me write down about everybody I know, and, and let me write down things that I think I need, and I'll pray that. The only problem was about 15 minutes I was done. I still got 45 minutes if my math's right, right? And so, so I said, okay, well, we gotta, we gotta read the New Testament. We gotta memorize 400 scriptures this year. So maybe I can start, um, maybe I can start doing some of that during the prayer time. But what happened was, as I, as I was obedient and submissive to the process that I was put into of walking with God, then that 15 minutes became 20 minutes and 30 minutes and 40 minutes. And then it got to the point to where, uh, at the end of that hour, somebody would walk up, some leader in the group, and, and they would grab a mic and they would close in prayer. And I would be like, man, I'm not done yet. But what happens, I grew. And then it went from that to, to okay, um, our hour's done. That's all right. Let's get these morning classes done with. I'm going to run and grab something to eat, and I'm going back to the youth room, and I'm going to pray for another hour. And then it grew from that to, okay, awesome. Everybody's in bed now. <laughs> I'm going to go find a field, and I'm going to go pray. And it just grew and grew and grew because I just fell in love with being with him. Are you with me? And so here's, here's the point that I want to make to you, though, is, is in the middle of that, I remember we had a little break and I went home. Okay? And I went back to that same church that didn't talk a whole lot about relationship. 
please don't miss what I'm about to tell you today, okay? This is intentional. And I remember sitting in the youth pastor's office, and, and we begin to talk about prayer time. And now, now there's a difference between just repeating yourself nonstop just to buy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about quality time with God, okay? Not quantity, quality, all right? So as I'm sitting there, and uh, we begin to get in discussion, and he began to talk about this. He just said this. He said, Quentin, if Derek Wadsworth, that's a kid in the youth group, if he prays five minutes a day and you pray an hour a day, at the end of the year, both of you are going to be in the same spot with God. Now, hear my heart. I disagreed with that wholeheartedly at 18 years old. At 38 years old, all the more I disagree with that statement. It is ignorance. So watch this. Let me give you a practical, simple example, okay? Let's pick on these, these couple right here, okay? If Ben says, Angela, I will, I will only talk to you five minutes a day. <laughs> she said, I'll punch him if you didn't hear, okay? I, I, she said, you know, uh, he said, I'm going to spend five minutes a day talking to you. And so the rest of the 23 hours and 55 minutes, leave me alone. So take that and then take Bob and Mary. And, and Bob says, you know what, Mary, I'm going I'm to talk to you conversely. We're going to have a, a conversation. Because how many of you guys know five minutes, you're doing all the talking? Right? So they say, okay, we're going to converse back and forth for an hour every day. Now, watch this. Just a natural analogy, Okay. At the end of that year, do you think Ben's going to be closer to his wife or Bob's going to be closer to his wife? Then why do we live this way with God? Are you hearing me? So if that works in the natural, why can't we just say on the supernatural, God, if I'm going to spend time with you, I just know that it's going to get me closer to you. Amen. I'm making sense. So here's my challenge maybe for you today is that you would be willing, okay? I, t- I told you at the end of last week's service, I said the hardest part about being a pastor is getting people that fill the church to understand that you've got to walk with Jesus daily. So here's the challenge for you today, that you would commit yourself to stretch your, 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 your quality time with God. Amen? Maybe it's this. Watch this. Maybe it's instead of just reading the Bible, maybe it's instead of I'm going to stay there until he talks. Maybe, maybe it's, okay, instead of prayer, instead of me just giving him everything that I want, I'm going to listen. I remember one time the Lord spoke to me. He said, Quentin, I take the time to listen to you. When are you going to take the time to listen to me? Okay. <laughs> are you following me? What would happen, watch this. What would happen if you, just, if you actually decide to worship when you just weren't at church? If you decide in your own home life, I'm going to worship Jesus. Are you following me? What would happen in your life? I'm going to tell you what would happen. You'd get a whole lot further away from Kyle, and you'd get a whole lot more closer to Pops. That's what would happen for you. Amen? And, and what's happened is, is it, let me even say this to you, okay? You're going to notice when Jesus walks in the room if you do that. Listen, I, I'm amazed by how many Christians wouldn't know that Jesus walked in the room if he slapped him in the face. Why? Because they don't spend t- quality time with him. Right? Are y'all, are y'all following me? I tell you this all the time. I want to be the kind of guy that knows when he walks in the room. I want to, you know, that I know he's here, that I know his presence here is here. I know he's moving. I'm hearing God. I know what he's saying. I want to walk with God. Yes? Not just talk to him five minutes a day. Are y'all okay? Y'all accept that challenge? Um, amen. All right, let's move. Have you found Genesis 32 yet? All right. We're doing pretty good with time. All right. 
So as I, as I was praying about this process, honestly, I, I wanted to, my original intent was to spend quite a bit of time talking about the word worship and prayer, because that's really, that's really the simple way that we walk out of the old man to the new man. In other words, that we're committed to the word, we're committed to private worship, and we're committed to a prayer life. That's how we walk out of the old man. It's the simple obedience that God uses, okay? Um, but as I was praying, God dropped this passage of scripture in my heart, and, um, and we're just going to be, be obedient. We're going to go with it, okay? So Genesis chapter 32, talking about the process of walking out of the old man and into the new man. Here we go. Verse 22 through 31, very familiar passage of scripture. All right. It says this. It says, And Jacob arose that night and took his two wives, we know that's Rachel and Leah, his two female servants and his eleven sons. This, this is basically kids that would end up being the fathers of the tribes of Israel, okay? It says, and he crossed over the Ford. Now, the Ford, what that is, obviously, it's not talking about a vehicle, but, but the Ford actually means a shallow place in the river. So it says, and he crossed over the Ford of Jabbok, or Yabak. It says, he took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Verse 24, it says, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day or the breaking of dawn. Verse 25 says, now when he saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched or struck the socket of Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Verse 28 says, and he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. It says, then Jacob asked, uh, asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Penel. And it says, for I have seen God face to face. Get that, for I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, which is just another form of Penel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Okay? He limped on his hip. There are six things that I think we can learn from this passage of Scripture as we decide to walk out of the old man to the new man. Let's uh, look back at verse 22. We'll, we'll, we'll track it down, so uh, we'll walk the dog here. Ready? All right, here we go. So, verse 22. It says, And he arose that night and took his two sons, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over. Somebody say crossed over. Come on, say it like you mean it. Crossed over. The fort of Jabbok. Somebody say Jabbok. And then awesome word, Jabbok. Now, listen, the first thing that Jacob had to do in this process of walking out of the old man to the new man is he had to come to a Jabbok in life. He had to come to a Jabbok in life. What in the world does that mean? The word, the word Jabbok actually means an emptying, a pouring out, an evacuation. An emptying, a pouring out, an evacuation. So like Jacob, before we can really walk out of the old man and into the new man, we're going to have to cross over. We're going to have to come to a spot where we're willing to be emptied out. We're willing to be poured out. We're will, we are willing to evacuate the old life and the old ways. Amen? Listen, not because someone is encouraging us, but because we want it. Right? Once again, not because somebody wants it for us, because they can't ever want it for us enough, but because we want it, because we see our need for change. Amen? So think about this. 
Think about the uh, recent floodings that happened in South Louisiana, right? Jen and I lived in Lafayette where the floods happened for years. And, and we actually know certain people uh, that were in that flood and they literally had to be evacuated from their houses and their cars because their lives depended on it. I mean, literally, you probably saw videos where they were cutting in the, in the car, snatching people out. I, you know, I know people had three and four foot of water in their house that literally had come. You know, it's like um, Katrina all over again in a lot of ways, right? So, listen, we may not know it or not, we may not realize it, but our spiritual lives are depending upon our willingness to be emptied out or being poured out on our willingness to really pour our hearts out to God. And maybe if I could say it this way, our spiritual lives depend on our ability to evacuate the areas that God says, look, for your own safety, you don't need to be there anymore. Meaning it's kind of like this, where, where God comes along and he says, look, you, you need to evacuate that, that uh, mindset. You need to evacuate that line of thinking. And, and you say this, because God said evacuate it for your own spiritual life, for your own spiritual safety. You realize, God, i got to get out of that. And you make a choice, a willingness to move out. Or maybe it's this. He says, look, you, you really need to evacuate that habit. Yes, sir. You need to evacuate that attitude. Yes, sir. You need to evacuate that bitterness. Yes, sir. Are y'all with me today? Listen, this crossing over, this evacuation helped Jacob to do number two, to remove the clutter. Please hear me on this. To help him to remove the clutter, to remove the distractions from his life. Verse 22 and 23 says this. Once again, he arose that night and took his two wives, two female servants, 11 sons, crossed over the fort of Jabbok. Verse 23 says he took them his family, right? Uh, the things he had. He sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Your translation may say that he sent over his possessions or sent over all that he had. Why did he need to send over all he had? Because he had to remove the clutter from his life. Are you following me? Listen, it's not until we understand the importance of removing the clutter and the distractions that surround us. Or maybe we can say it this way. Uh, the clutter that's literally competing with me, that's competing and demanding our attention all the time. Will we be able to do this? Number three, until we remove the clutter, we'll never be able to consistently, number three, get along with God. Get along with God. This is so basic, but hold on, we're going somewhere, okay? Don't go sleep on me. Number three, get along with God. Look back at verse 23. It says, he took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left what? Say it loud. Alone. He was left alone. All right, let me maybe rewind here real quick. Here's what I mean. Let me get simple. Is when I talk about the distractions is have you ever noticed here? We'll go this route when you kind of set in your own heart to go. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to pray today. And as soon as you start praying, your phone rings. Distraction. Have you have you ever noticed that when you go to the prayer closet, all you can think about is all the stuff you got to do clutter. Okay, that 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 literally how many times do we sit there? And go, I watched TV for eight hours today and I spent five minutes with God. Distraction, clutter. Are you all with me? Let, let, let me? let me maybe share a story with you just because it challenges me to the core. There's a, there's a, a pastor that at one time led the largest, the largest church in the world. And he uh, basically, he was, he's in Korea, South Korea. And one day he was in his prayer time and the, and the president of the nation showed up at his office to talk to him. That's never happened to me. <laughs> Maybe it's because I wouldn't say much positive. Here we go. So anyways, so, so anyways, so the, the president of the nation shows up. So while the pastor is praying, the secretary phones in and says, hey, sir, I just want to let you know 
uh, Pastor, the, the president's here. He said this, tell, tell him I'm in a meeting with God. I can't talk to him. It's priorities. That, that's in, The reason that man's got where he's at with God is because he's learned to remove the clutter and the distractions. He's learned how to put himself in a quiet place to get along with God. So basically what I'm trying to tell you here on this third one is get alone. Is Folks, we've got to learn how to be left alone on a consistent basis if we're going to walk out of the old man. It's this, because the, the greatest encounters, please hear my heart here, the greatest encounters with God, um, that's where they happen. When we're alone, it's when it's just you and him. We rarely walk out of the old man and into the new man in a corporate or public setting. I'm not saying that God can't do something, but what I am telling you is, is most spiritual victories happen in private. So, in, in fact, let me maybe say this. People that we admire in the kingdom that, that basically operate in, operate in uh you know, the gifts of the Spirit are operating in a strong anointing, all those things. The, the reason they can do that in public is because they've already won the war in private. And they bring what they've learned in the private place. They bring it to the public place, and God walks with them. What happens to so many Christians is we just want to operate in the public. Well, what's the motive? Amen? So, anyways, basically this. It, it's where the victories are really won is when we're really vulnerable before the Lord. And we're there, once again, being left alone. All right, now watch this. Y'all hang tight with me. I don't know about you, but I've learned the reason that most people don't like being left alone is because something begins to happen when our world goes quiet. And it's almost like this. Have you ever noticed that there's people who, who always got to go to sleep with a TV on? Something's wrong. It's because they're afraid their world's going to go quiet. So watch this. Number four, like Jacob, what happens is in those moments when everything is quiet is we begin to wrestle. It says in verse 24, it says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him. Don't miss the wording here. Wrestled with him until the breaking. Wrestled with him until the breaking. Wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So watch this. When we get alone, inadvertently we begin to wrestle and struggle with who we really are. This is why I'm saying why people don't like being alone. Because we begin to, we begin to struggle with who we really are. And, and everybody please hear this. That all the fanfare at that moment goes out the window. The masks come off. The spiritual pretenses of what we try to carry around people go away. We can't hide behind our talent and our personality when we're alone. Uh, listen, when we're alone, the imposter vanishes. Amen? Amen? Yes. Listen, and in the midst of that uncomfortable spot... God walks in and the real wrestling match begins. Wrestling means this. It means to contend as in a struggle for mastery. Let me say it another way. To contend as in a struggle for control. You see, God is willing to wrestle with us until the breaking. Let me maybe say it another way. He's willing to wrestle with you until you break. It's getting quiet in here. Listen, he's willing to wrestle until you're willing to give up control of your life. He's willing to wrestle until he becomes the master. He's really willing to wrestle until he wins. He's willing to wrestle until you tap and say, you, you got me. Amen. So maybe, maybe if I can just throw, throw this question out today. Has he won yet in your life? Has he won? Has he won? Have you, have you stayed there long enough with him and been willing to wrestle until you say, you know, Dad, you really, you're in control, not me. It says in verse 25, it says, Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, it says he struck or he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. It's just simply this. God broke Jacob. 
but he broke him for his own good. Now, here's why it was really good. It's because that wrestling or that breaking helped Jacob to do number five, get real. Helped him to get honest. Um, If I can say this with all kindness of my heart, I'm amazed at how many church people who just don't know how to get real. We shouldn't be afraid of that. Yeah? And, 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 you know, maybe if we can just ask ourselves before we continue today, that when I walk in these doors on a Sunday morning, do I show people who I really am? Some of us do. But do we in all things? In other words, this, once again, there's that spot of just being, hey, I'm willing to be real, willing to be honest. Watch this. So verse 26 says, he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. If I can add something there, I will not let you go unless you change me. So he said to him, what is your name? Understand today when it says that word name, it actually is the word reputation. He's asking Jacob, what is, he says, change me. He says, what's your reputation? And then he says, Jacob. So have you ever, let me say this way, have you ever been so desperate for change that you were willing to admit the truth? Have you ever been so desperate for change that you were willing to admit the, the truth? Here's what I mean by that. Is, is when God asked Jacob what his name was, is because, it wasn't because he didn't know it. It wasn't because he forgot it. He's the all-knowing God. He knew his name. But what was happening was he was giving Jacob the opportunity to admit who he really was. He was giving Jacob the opportunity to, to confess that he was a liar, a deceiver, a deceiver. Read the story, right? A manipulator, that he was untrustworthy, that he was a long way off from who he was created to be. That, that what? That he was, uh, that, that there was a Grand Canyon sized hole in between him and his destiny. That's what was happening in this moment. He was saying, what's your reputation? Boy, who are you really? And when he said Jacob, it carried all of that with it. That was what he was confessing. So, you see, God knew that the only way that change could happen is if Jacob could finally get honest and take responsibility for who he had become. Please understand today that in life, spiritually and naturally, who we are today is based off a culmination of our decisions we made in our yesterdays. And, and there's that part of when we get honest is, is this, is when, is when we, we stop, quit blaming everyone else and we go, you know, I am who I am because this is who I've chosen to be. There's a lot of truth in that. So this raw honesty positioned Jacob for number six. It positioned him for an exchange. It says, so he said to him, verse 27, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said to him, your name, get this, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. Your name shall no longer, your reputation shall no longer be a deceiver, a liar, and a manipulator. He says, but, but here's the exchange. But from now on, you're going to be Israel, boy. It says, for you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. So watch this. Through Jacob's honesty, not only was his identity changed, but so was his destiny. So as Jacob surrendered, what? The old man, God exchanged it with the new man. And, it was, and, and watch it. So basically, the, the form of that or the proof of that was, is he gave him a new name. Are you all with me today? So here's a point before we end something, end here. But I want you to know today that it is absolutely impossible to see God face to face, to experience his glory without being transformed from the from basically into the new man. That's impossible to encounter God and not have the old man die and have the new man come to life. That's why God wants to encounter us. Amen. All right. So watch this. Let me tell you something. Uh, If you haven't heard anything today, maybe hear this. 
right? I want you to see today that this exchange went way beyond just Jacob. Because when the, when the Bible says in verse 25, and I don't want to offend anyone here, but I, but I, I do want to get real, okay? Can, can everybody say, Pastor, I won't get offended at you, what you're about to say? Okay? La- ladies, please, okay? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little, little man's zone here, all right? Here we go, literally, all right? All right, so watch this. So it says, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, it says he touched or he struck the socket of his hip. Remember, we're talking about this went way beyond Jacob. Now, what this actually means in the Hebrew language when it says that God uh, touched or God struck his hip, it literally means in the Hebrew language that God punched him in the nuts. Don't get offended, all right? That literally that he went through his hip and hit him right in the nutcrackers, all right? Right? You, you thought that that was a play, but it happened many, many years ago, yes. So watch this, that when literally, when God, when God's hand literally went through Jacob's hip and he touched, this is why I'm saying it this way, and he touched his seed. Please don't miss this. You see, God wasn't just trying to change Jacob, he was trying to change his seed. That there was, there wasn't just a person's life hanging in the balance here, maybe even a generation, but there was a nation with generation upon generation hanging in the balance of this moment. Have you ever noticed that the nation of Israel isn't called the nation of Jacob? And the reason is because its destiny is not one of liars, it's not one of, of uh, manipulators, it's not one of deceivers, but literally th- that they, the nation, was named in this moment. To understand that their God-given destiny was what? Is that they would wrestle with God, that they would wrestle with men, and they would prevail. If we would stop and take a look at their history, just go back to Hitler, right? World War II, that they are a nation, once again, that has wrestled with God, wrestled with men, and they continue to prevail. Are you following me? Because that was their destiny. And it's all because one man decided to have a Jabbat moment. He decided to get vulnerable. He decided to evacuate things in his life. It's because one man decided to remove the clutter from his life. It's because one man decided to get along with God. One man decided, uh, decided to wrestle with God. One man decided to get honest with God. One man decided to position himself for an exchange with God. One man decided, God, I'm willing to walk out of the old man and into the new man. It changed, it, uh, literally, it changed the course of history. Yes? So here's why I'm telling you that is because, please, not even for a second do you need to think that today is just about you, but literally that there's generations behind you that are that are waiting for what decision you're going to make today. So here's here's my question for all of today is what legacy will we leave? Will we leave a legacy of a Jacob or will we leave a legacy of an Israel? What will we do? And, and there's that part. Listen, as your pastor, when I come in here and I'm saying, guys, let's go. Let's go for God. Let's go for broke. I'm not saying that because I'm trying to make me look better in some way. There's something holding in the balance of that. Do you understand that if we can get free, if we can worship, if we can pray, if we can go broke for God, then it's literally going to change the course of history. It's in this mindset, just so you know how we walk into this. We want to change a state. Amen? Stand to your feet, please, Kat. Can you go up? Listen, I, I I want to end today... Um, I don't know why I haven't thought about this story in years. If you stand up, it's awesome. Hang tight with me. I haven't thought about this in a long, long, long time. But, but um, 
few days ago while I was just praying, bebopping around, I, the Lord reminded me of when I personally learned to wrestle. And, and I want to tell you about that really quick. When I learned to wrestle him, and this may sound really odd. I'm going to take maybe a bunny trail and we'll bring it back in. But when I was, when I was 20 years old, I was, when I was living in Lafayette, Louisiana, um, the ministry that I was working with, they, they, um, they had those ministry schools really all around the world. And they decided, as far as from the head director, said, you know, we're going to start doing regional, regional conferences, not just one big one every year. And so we, we went to East Texas, and, and, we, and we met with the several other groups. And so the, the pastor, his name is Pastor Lloyd. This guy, uh, he, he's the kind of guy, I was telling somebody the other day, I think it was these ladies, that, that if you gave him five minutes of preaching, in five minutes you figure, man, I could run through the wall. I mean, he's just that kind of guy. And, and so Pastor Lloyd is preaching, and I, and I remember I was sitting over to the side. We were in an old tin building. There's a big old garage door that's kind of open. And I was just sitting there by my buddy Nick Daniels just enjoying the sermon. And, and Lloyd began to talk about how when he was uh, basically in school, he wanted to play for his, he wanted to play basketball for his school. And so he said, okay, basically tryouts came, and he went, and he went to tryouts. He was fired up. He was going to make the basketball team, and he, you know, all of this. And so they're in there warming up, and the coach walks in, and the coach says, everybody line up. So everybody ran and got in the line, right? So he's standing there in the line, and the coach walks over to him and puts his hand over his head, and he says, if you're, basically, if you're this height and shorter, get out the gym. And he's, he was so pumped about making the basketball team, Right? And the guy said, just based off your height, he didn't watch his shot, didn't see how he passed, didn't see how he could dribble. He said, you're too short, get out the gym. He was cut right there. So he puts his head down and he walks out the gym. And he says that he went in the stairwell. And, he, and, and then when he was in the stairwell, he, he, he kind of put his hand on, the, on the, you know, the hand rest or the handrail. And he was just crying. And he's sitting there and he's just weeping, having this moment that he didn't have a shot. And while he's doing that, you know, he, he basically he hears this, you know. He heard the door open and a guy leaned out the door and he kind of caught himself like this really quick. And he said, hey, boy, are you here for wrestling tryouts? He said, yes, sir, I am. <laughs> so he goes in there and never wrestled a day in his life. And they said, OK, go with that guy. He was he was literally in the room less than a minute and he threw a guy on the mat and pinned him. OK, watch this. He obviously made a wrestling team and he went on to wrestle for school kicked butt all through high school, then went and wrestled in college, right? So he's talking about this sermon as Lloyd. So I'm like, you're, Lloyd, you're awesome, man. You can preach. And, and, I, and I'm just sitting over there in awe. And, and then he kind of kind of hits a pause in that story, and he, and, he, and he holds up this big old hunking key. And he talks about somebody just gave him, I think it was a Yukon. Somebody just decided to give him one. Sure, right? So, so he has this key, and he starts talking about God unlocking our hearts and taking stuff out. Then he takes what he puts in. I didn't even realize it the other day, but he was talking about an exchange. That he opens it up, pulls out what's not there, and then he puts what's in from his heart, and he locks it in. So he's doing this, and he goes, he looks at me and goes, Quentin, you, you've been around for a while. It's my third year. And he goes, why don't you come up here? I'm thinking, okay. 20 years old, right? I, I, I walk up, and I remember Lloyd was here, and I was standing here. And Lloyd begins to go through this routine of a wrestling coach of how he gets his how he gets his his guy that's about to wrestle fired up to wrestle. And he's just like going freaking nuts. Right. And I'm just standing there thinking, what in the heck does this man want right now for me? And it's so funny. It's like the the people that were with this. um, Basically, they all thought Lloyd and I got together and we were doing like some kind of drama in front of everybody. They thought I was acting. 
And I'm standing there in the middle, and I mean, he's, I mean, he's all up in my face screaming at me. He's massaging my back. He's fighting me ready. And then he starts talking trash to me. You're no good. You're this. You're that. You're... And in the middle of that, the anointing of God hit me like a bolt of lightning. I'm telling you, it was like, it was like uh, just the biggest weight boom, fell on me. And I screamed out at this man, what do you want me to tell him? That I hate myself? And, and Lloyd jumps in my face, literally puts his nose in my nose, and we're screaming at each other. And when I begin to break and just weep, everybody knew, oh, maybe they're not acting. Because it wasn't an act. The anointing hit me, and I begin to, what happened is I begin to wrestle with God. I begin to get honest, and I begin to reveal what happened uh, of when everything goes quiet. It came out in public. <laughs> and I begin to say the things that basically that I didn't like about myself. Now, watch this. None of that had to do with sin. <laughs> Nothing was sin. It was all it was all basically the things that were in me that were keeping me from going from that guy to that guy. And as I did that, literally, uh, as I broke and I started to weep, and I remember being just bowed over, he took that key and shoved it in my chest and did his unlock move. And that, like he grasped himself, threw it out, and until it was gone, he smacked me in the chest and locked it in. And then what happened was this, is, is a, I'm telling you, a shift happened at that moment. And I just, I knew he was done. He moved on. And I'm standing there like an idiot in front of 150 people, broken. And I, and I walked out that garage door and I fell on my face in the dirt. And I cried and wept for 45 minutes and let Jesus make an exchange with me. Are you with me? And as I was there, I literally heard, because that moment broke the service open, heard a young person after a young person begin to wrestle with God. And hear him scream and holler, people getting free. Are, are y'all following me today? I know what I'd like to do in this moment, but but what I want to do is this: is I, I just know how how we are. A lot of times we hear something, and the anointing comes, and then we go, "Amen, let's pray," and we leave. But I think there's a moment that God wants to do today where He wants to give people a chance to wrestle. And I don't mean you, you got to holler and cry and shout and all that. But, but, but maybe you need to come to the altar and you need to get alone with Jesus and you need to wrestle with Him and you need to let Him make the exchange that only He can make. And part of that, once again, is just being honest. Because God, here's who I really am. Amen. So if you don't mind, let's close our eyes. And I'm going to pray. And then I'm just going to say, look, look, even at this moment, look, guys, the altars are open. If you need to do business with God, if you want to wrestle with God, that's awesome. If you could turn Cat up, that would be great. Come on, Jim said earlier, talking about leaning into God, and I just want to encourage you to do that. All that means is this, is just focus on Him. Focus on Him. Remember, once again, He is not only interested in snatching sin of our lives, but He's also interested and just getting other stuff that needs to get out. And it's healing, it's restoration, it's all those things that He's just so good at. So, Father, we come to you today. God, you know where every single person's at in this room. And, God, I'm just asking, God, that you would give us the courage to wrestle in this moment. God, that you would give us the courage to literally wrestle with you until you break something in us. God, that we want to be a people that walk with a limp. That we want to be a people that are identified, that are that we have been touched by God. So, Lord, I'm asking today, God, in a really just supernatural way. God, come with your anointing. Come with your presence. Amen.
on, guys. The altars are open. Let's not miss this moment, please. Come on, if you need to come do business with God, come do business with God. Say, Jesus, change me. Jesus, change me. Jesus, change me. Listen, there's people in this room that God spoke things to you when you were young. And you have literally let life snatch out of you the destiny that God put in you. The call, the mission, the dream. Come on, let's have courage today. Come on, let the, take the mask off. Take the pretenses off. Just say, Jesus, here I am. Jesus, here I am. Bless me today. Change me today. Heal me today. Hey, there's healing in marriages. There's healing for marriages today. If you need to leave, thank you guys for coming today. Um, we're just going to continue to make room. If you're down here, don't move, don't move, don't move, please. These guys continue to pray. Just ask everybody else to be respectful for what God's doing in the room. Uh, once again, if you if you still need to come to the altar, let me maybe say this. If you're going, uh, I'm not sure if I need to go, you probably do need to come. Amen. God bless you guys.